This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Jugmeet Singh, um, I, I don't know that you can make the case that he was backed into a corner here. Some are saying that the Conservatives and the Bloc federally had had Jugmeet Singh basically backed into the corner. and uh, and But it's not him who ends up retreating, it's Justin Trudeau. Here's what's going to happen. His chief of staff, Katie Telford, will now testify before a parliamentary committee. The liberals have been running in the clock and filibustering and uh, absconding their duties, if you will. And I, it's really difficult to say the federal liberals because I know there are backbenchers and even cabinet ministers, people in cabinet, people in caucus who are just aghast at some of this. Like they got into politics not for this. They got into politics to make a difference, to make change. And uh, the last three weeks has been, it's been a bit of a big top circus. No question about it. So one of the things we didn't talk about the last couple of days, we've barely touched um, this issue the last couple of days because of so much that's been going on locally. This was never going to trigger an election. There isn't going to be an election this year. There will be an election next year. There won't be an election in this calendar year. And Justin Trudeau is far too savvy a politician, though I think he's got himself in some hot water here, to trigger an election just to make sure Katie Telford doesn't testify. As I said a week ago, Katie Telford does not have to go and tell the truth. I wouldn't recommend that she uh, wander around the truth. I wouldn't recommend that she dance around it. But that'd be pretty wacky crazy. Justin Trudeau wants an election to make sure Katie Telford doesn't testify. Look, Justin Trudeau's not running in the next election. I'm telling you that. Smart people are telling me that with the liberals and and away from the liberals, people that want, would want him to win and people that would hope he never wins again. But the, but he's not going to trigger an election that he does not want to run in just to make sure Katie Telford doesn't testify. Jagmeet Singh's taken a lot of stick. Leader of the NDP. He's got some leverage. But give them credit here. The liberals buckled. The NDP called their bluff. This is what Singh said yesterday. He gave Justin Trudeau one of the rare ultimatums of this supply confidence agreement. This was yesterday morning. If the liberal government, if Justin Trudeau doesn't stop the obstruction that's going on in committee, if Justin Trudeau doesn't allow his chief of staff to testify, we will force him to do so by voting with the opposition day motion. We're going to make it very clear that we believe in doing everything possible to make sure Canadians have their questions answered so we can restore confidence in our, in our electoral system. Yeah. And I don't know. Again, are there people ready to fall on the sword for Justin Trudeau? I don't think there's going to be a victim here. I don't think Katie Telford's job is at stake because she's going to say, I was supposed to inform Justin Trudeau on some things and I never got the information to him. We know there have been sacrifices before when there have been government scandals. The finance minister lost his job and left government. During the We Charity scandal or in the brief quick aftermath thereof, Jody Wilson-Raybould left government, forced out or otherwise, depending on which side you want to listen to, based on the SNC-Lavalin scandal. So I'm sure Telford's been coached intensely. I'm sure there isn't going to be a uh, an outpouring of <laughs> valid information. And if people want the what did you know, when did you know it, I'm sorry that this still remains a partial circus and they might be sorely disappointed. Here's more of what Jugmeet Singh said yesterday when confronted with the idea that he would um, he would force this on the liberals. And he has right now. There's a lot of serious questions about what the prime minister's office knew, 
when they knew it and what they did about that. Uh, this, we would prefer that there was a public inquiry that was investigating this and, and finding out those answers. In the meantime, these questions are very important. And so we want to make sure that Canadians have an opportunity to hear uh, what was known and, and when it was known and, and, and what was done with that information. Okay. And I listen, I, again, we should all be so uniform. We need to make sure elections are safe from foreign interference. I'll maintain again, and there's still people carrying water for the liberal government. Well, the outcome was not influenced. It's not the point. It's immaterial. It's inconsequential. It matters if there was interference and where it came from and in what writings. And I'll get to that more as the show continues. But Jagmeet Singh deserves his applause. If you're going to castigate him and criticize him for being a stooge to the liberals in this deal, when he actually gets something that works for all the rest of us and gives an ultimatum and the government wobbles and they back down, he deserves an awful lot of credit for using his leverage properly. That's what he's there for. You either have no power in politics or you have some. He has some and he used it the right way yesterday afternoon this is toronto today with greg brady toronto's news today's talk 640 toronto i saw this story you saw it too i know what it looks like but it it probably deserves some fair time and clarification what happened at an ottawa train station yesterday okay there was a man named ahmed who lives in toronto he was at the via rail bus train station it's via it's the station there and he was waiting for his bus to go from Ottawa to Toronto. I believe he was there for work. He was with a coworker or a colleague with him and their bus was delayed. So before they thought, okay, we have a few hours to kill here. What are we going to do? Let's go explore Ottawa. So before they decided to leave the station, he said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to pray because he's Muslim. He identifies himself as Muslim, he, which mm. Muslims pray, Orthodox Muslims especially pray five times a day uh, at specific times of the day. So he told his colleague, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to wash up. Then I'm going to go into the corner. I'll be right back. He went into a corner of the station. It was an empty hallway. And he prayed his afternoon prayer. Uh, It took probably two to three minutes. uh, And then he returned to where his luggage was and his coworker was. Uh, Right then, a security guard approached him that worked there and told him that he couldn't pray. And here is the audio from that. What is the problem? You want me to say something? That I took two minutes to pray. Don't pray here. Father or other customers, okay? Who did not one person I went to the end of the hallway? Not one right person had anything to say. Not one person had anything we'll to pray say. Pray outside next time, okay? In the, in the cold? When I'm inside here. Pray outside. No. I'm going to complain to your employer. Go okay? ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You're going viral right now. Don't worry. Where are you going to? So this security guard had he told him that, you know, go pray outside in the middle of March in Ottawa, where there's a ton of snow. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you're people, not in, you're not in Orlando. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Um, and he said, you know, you're disturbing other people. So he responded back with, I mean, it's hard to hear the audio, but you can kind of pick it up. And he said, and the reason there's audio in the first place is because there were bystanders around who pulled out their phones and yeah. started recording the the entire interaction. Uh, and he's and, and then the security guard security guard comes forward and says, I'm going to contact your employer because you're praying inside the Via Rail station, uh, which is it's it's pretty disturbing. I think this guy himself he was in shock. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you can tell by he doesn't have an accent. He's born and raised here. He's got the confidence to speak up to the security guard. A lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would feel bad. They'd stay quiet. And this guy was just, I think he was in shock that he's not disturbing anyone. He went to an empty hallway. And I'm sure, Greg, you've probably seen Muslim people pray in public before. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they don't, I mean, they, I, I, I know several instances where people have had, 
situation, especially after 9-11, there were a lot of people, I know somebody at an airport who was praying in the corner and somebody went up to them afterwards, some guy in like southern United States and said, uh, what are you doing there? And the guy said, oh, somebody that I know. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm praying. And he looked him up, up and down. And he said, sure hope you're not on my plane. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let, I want to carry this over, because let me, but let me ask you a quick question in 30 seconds. Do you think that, that, that a prerequisite for prayer is being as quiet as possible? I think people tend to be that. Well, you don't have, but, you don't, but what if you weren't? What if you were loudly praying? For, no, but for— I have seen that. I have seen that in public. And and, and I, th- I would make that case even for the, the street preachers that walk around and yell into megaphones and say, you know— um, are you going to spend your eternity in heaven yes. or hell? Repent, yes. sinners. Um, so, so as Muslims, if you're praying by yourself, you pray silently. Right. But if there's a group of you, there's one person who is the leader, known as the Imam, and they will say certain things out loud, certain parts of the prayer out loud, to know what you know when you mm. when you bow down, when you go up and down. Uh, but they try to be as indiscreet as possible. Yeah, right? I, I watched the video. I I was uncomfortable. I think the employees in the wrong. I wanted to make sure that it looks like what it actually is. Um, and I think and it Via is. has issued an apology, by the way. They yeah. have come forward. They've issued an apology, freedom of religion. Uh, and legally in our country, experts say that you're praying in public is not a criminal offense. You're able to do it for the record. Uh, it's an infringement of your, mm. it's discriminatory to to infringe on that. Okay. We were just talking about a video uh, from Ottawa in a Via Rail station with uh, w- one of the employees. And you can tell he's an employee because he gets to wear that really sharp yellow vest. Sexy vest. <laughs> and uh, and he's telling uh, a person of uh, uh, a Muslim faith, you can't pray here. Now, this guy, again, it, there's nothing that demonstrative about this. And and even then, then I, I don't know whether you're infringing on someone's civil liberties. I'd make the case that you are. If you're making a lot of noise, I, I think there's that distinction. But he isn't. He's sitting there. He's not sprawled out on the ground. In an empty hallway. Right. In an empty hallway. He's not. People don't have to walk around him. I do think there would be like you can't set up, you know, a prayer class in in, in like at Union Station and take up like a bunch of space. No but matter there are, what. Pearson, religion, you, for example, has a prayer room. It has a prayer room, yeah. right? But but that yeah, and and if there, I, I wonder about that because I'm reading this story um, where this happened on a flight um, going from oh my gosh, I just had it. Yeah, a video of a man playing praying loudly. This is from last year. On a, on a Korean airline. Um, video of a man praying loudly inside a passenger jet triggered debate on the internet. Some accused the man of being inconsiderate. Others argue the airline should do more to provide a better environment for in-flight prayer, considering Muslims are required to pray five times a day at specific times. A flight was going from Dubai to Manila. Okay, he doesn't have to pray. I, 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 I haven't seen the video. I don't know that situation. But if he's by himself sitting in his seat out loud, that's unnecessary. I do think that's disruptive. Yes. Because you don't need, religiously, you don't need to be praying out loud by yourself. Yeah. Um, but it's important to note that after this incident happened, lots of people, this went viral on TikTok, on Instagram, uh, because people, bystanders started recording this and went up to him and said, you know, for the record, I think you're allowed to pray here. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. Two security guards, two other employees came up to this man afterwards uh, and said that, you know what, that employee who came to you and said this, he's worked here for a really long time. He deals with a lot of homeless people. So then this guy said, oh, so are you trying to say that I'm I'm homeless? And then they changed the subject. Uh, mm. And at one point they said, you know, he's he works really hard. He's been, he's been, you know, he's just, he's been uh, overworked lately. That's not his problem. It's not his problem. You're right about that. 
And, and I don't know if it's the distinction. I don't know if there's intersections in Toronto where this is the case. Um, if I were to walk up and down Young Street, would I see this? And I'm talking about something different, but but it, it is still, I guess you could argue it's under the guise of religious freedom, Sheba. I, when I was in um, Arizona for Super Bowl, you'd walk in downtown Phoenix, every corner, uh, Jesus saves, the blood of sinners, repent. But the, these are people who and I, are. But you have to walk through them. And I'm thinking yes. when. And do, sometimes I do feel disrupted by them. If right. I'm with my kids, I'm trying to just cross a busy intersection and they're blocking me to holding out, you know, a religious pamphlet or something. Uh, it's not the right time or place, in my opinion. I have an opinion of it, but I also don't know what the... Um, but I, I think I have the ability to ignore them. I don't have to walk through them. But I don't know the legality. You often see... I know this was a big controversy in front of a high school. I think in Scarborough last year, woman would show up every day, stand in front of the school. She was adamantly, ag- aggressively um, anti-abortion. Yes. And, sh- and you, sometimes you're at an intersection, you see the signs, and they hold big pictures up of what they would argue the process does and you don't want it like like you don't want it it's very aggressive and in your face i don't know the legality of being able to walk through union station with those signs i don't know what the legality is of that i know i i'm i've but taken, that's, this is I, I don't think the two compare they're not they're not but 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 if someone said what's under the guise of what you can do in terms of religious freedom well what i can't do is go down with a bullhorn and talk about um, and run around talking about Toronto today and uh, and yelling at people to tell them to listen to the show. They'd get rid. They'd get rid of me at a union station. I feel like to me this sounds like. And this is what this man had asked. He said, "Is this borderline racism?" And then the other two security guards came up and said, "Oh no, no, no! You shouldn't think like that." To me, there is some type of Islamophobia here because if he saw a man sitting in a chair with oh. rosary beads, let's say um, doing some kind of prayer, I don't know if the security just the way he approached him in that video. It's just I don't I don't like the feeling of that. I don't like it either. I, I don't like I don't like the look of it. Um, and then trying to make it better by saying that you know he deals with a lot of homeless people. No, no, that's no good. No, no, no. It, it is absolutely the wrong approach. The question is, would he do the same if someone was walking around pestering people, handing them cards about Jesus? I don't know. I don't know either. I, and and so I, I have no relationship to whether or not that happens. In public transit environments, and contacting or, or your employer, really? Yeah, ridiculous. Gonna, yeah, very. Like, what? I don't know. This guy needs some sensitivity training, some some education, something, because this is uh, yeah, especially for the position that he works in, dealing with the public like that. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty. Toronto. Uber drivers. You noticed uh, <sighs> a story. Uh, Toronto. Here's the headline on on, uh, on Blogtio. <laughs> Toronto has some of the worst Uber passengers in Canada. Do we? Can we just finally? Can we be the middle ground in something? I don't think we're the worst. I love. I love Toronto. Maybe housing. Maybe rent. Maybe that. But apparently, we have a very, very bad average rider rating. Not number- driver rating, but rider rating. Second place with the lowest average across Canadian cities. Yes, first is Ottawa, second Toronto, third Montreal, fourth Hamilton, fifth Edmonton. Uh, and there are several reasons behind this. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure the three of us have all taken Uber. Some of us take them more regularly than others. Uh, but some people say, a lot of Uber drivers claim that in Toronto, people leave their trash behind in the seat, in the vehicle. Uh, they don't buckle their seat belts. Or oftentimes they're really late for the pickup. They order the Uber and then it takes forever to get outside or get over to the meeting spot. And then lastly... They slam doors. We slam doors. And the Uber drivers don't like it. So we're not as bad as Ottawa, um, but we're slightly better than Montreal. We're worse than Montreal, but Ottawa's worse than us. Yes. And we're better than, ha- and, and we're worse than Hamilton. Have you ever gotten a bad review from an Uber? 
No. No. I'm trying to think if I've even gotten a What's four. What's your rating? But sometimes I wonder. I wish, I wish we had time for you I, to look it up. I've got to get my phone, but it's, it's in the high fours. See, here's what I don't get. 4.89 something I'm something, at a I'm five, sure. and I'm wondering, what do people do to not get a five? And now I know. You leave your garbage behind. You don't buckle up. You make the Uber driver wait, and you slam your door when you leave. I feel like I'm remarkably play. I'm also remarkably play when I'm out of town because I'm like, if this driver doesn't pick me up, uh, like I, you need a ride when you're in another city. You don't know the way around, so you wouldn't know how to take a bus somewhere and you sure wouldn't know how to walk somewhere when you're in a foreign city or a foreign country so i'm a superb <laughs> uber customer i want elsewhere. access to your uber account i want to I'll read the reviews you. i want to I read them on the I, but what i forget sometimes i forget to leave the review so maybe they don't this is a little like when someone follows you on twitter and you're like oh i know them should i follow them back immediately and then if you don't for a few days they're yeah, like it's awkward oh or he's they, waited 72 or hours. they refollow you like to let you know that they followed you <laughs> that gets awkward and you still haven't followed them they're le- they're wondering why yeah it's passive aggressive so we need a trip to sherbrooke where apparently the best average uber riders live in sherbrooke quebec and Ooh. second in trois Riviere. oh tw- okay what if I got in the Uber and I was like, parlez-vous anglais? Let's go. Oh, that's a two right Allez. there. In that province, it's a two. All our Uber ratings, Sheba Gord and myself, are, are exquisite. I'm exquisite. I'm a 487 Gord over oh. 19 trips, including trips in uh, in Paris where they, you know, they can be snooty and snotty. And I guess I was a good customer there. That's good. It's better than mine. You're slightly ahead of me. I'm 4.82. Yeah. I don't know how many trips, though. Now, I don't know where you see that. Now, Shiva Siddiqui has a claim. I think we need validity of this. I think we need to see the receipts, but this is her claim anyway. Go ahead. Humble brag away. Don't? Okay. Fantastic. Um, all right. We'll get uh, more from Shiva in a, in a second. She says she's a five. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Now okay, we're, we're, we're having a minor tech issue. Well, now we're not. No, now we're not. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm wondering why, what you're doing to get the 4.87 and the 4.82 because I'm going to, yes, humble break here. 5.0 with 27 trips. Did we not leave a review? Could that have hurt us at some point in time? If we don't give a review to the driver, does the driver then... I don't think so. No, does, because they can't... Can they tell? I've never left a review. I don't have time for that. No, but even a rating. Maybe we didn't leave... I, I know there's a couple of trips where I didn't leave a rating for over 19 trips. So if they don't leave one for me, does my number drop? That's a good question. I don't know if they even know that. I wonder if it's like Airbnb. You're a 5.0 with 27 trips. And is there any of those 27 trips where you're like, you said something or you're like complaining no. or anything? No, what am I going to complain about? I don't know. Just get me there. Make sure your vehicle's clean. Um, I don't really like Uber drivers that talk to me. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but I mean, if we're talking about the weather, but don't, I'm not your therapist. Don't tell me your life story. Like I've heard, I have some friends who... You know, it's it's a very heavy Uber drive. Some guy was like, I hate my life, and he got into it, and she had to sit there and listen to the whole thing. I'm not into that. How many female (laughs) drivers out of the 27 do you Zero. Zero. Whoa. I know. Is it that much of a male-dominated industry? I've never had a... No, I I know there are females out there who do it, but I've never had a female Uber driver. Have you guys? No. I have, have, yeah. But to be 27 to 27 is really amazing. I've had female taxi... Tons of female taxi drivers, but I don't think there's an Uber I can think of in my limited trips where... Where that's been the case. I think you're a five. But, well, you're also a five. People don't want that. Maybe they think you're going to uh, post their uh, review online or you're going to shame them and, and put it up on social media or something. So they give you a great review. 
No, absolutely. They don't know anything about me. It's, people well, don't. Well, they, they know you're, um, if they thought you were in the media business. But how would they know that? It's not listed in my profile. Well, I don't right? know if you're sharing that or no, not with them. I don't share that with my best of friends. <laughs> I, you, come well, on, Greg. don't Frank. be embarrassed no, to be on the show. No, it's not about being embarrassed. But you, when you go to a party and then the minute people find out what you do for them, they'd start pitching you a hundred. My neighbor came and cut oh. my tree down. No, I don't tell anybody anything. Listen, my I'm mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. My mom's been trying to get me to interview an aquafit instructor in Strathroy <laughs> for 14 months, Sheba. I you, can't. Great. You know what I mean then. I'm a stay-at-home yeah. mom if anybody asks. I know exactly how I got my 4.82 rating. How? Tell us. I, well, I was, uh, well, um, severe is a high word. Highly intoxicated one time, <laughs> and I dropped a uh, focaccia loaf on the floor. Oh, I was worried you were going to say something else. Yeah. <laughs> and so it smelled like oregano probably the whole night. So. You left bread in the... In I the, didn't leave it. No, I picked it up. But I mean... Did know, it slop? Did it make a mess? No, Like a mustard really, stain or something? No, but it has that, you know, how it... Crumbs. Crumbs and... You, you left know, crumbs behind in the back seat, like you're eating like chocolate chip cookies yeah, or something. Yeah, so that's... I know exactly what happened. Uh, well, anybody that steps into my actual car would leave the car a bad review for the crumbs that are on the... Fr- <laughs> when you're I eating in the surprised. dark on the way in. <laughs> well, you pick up hitchhikers. That's so true. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah, she should have given me a great rating. It was a hot day. I did accuse her of stealing my chorus you pass. Did. You did, which she did not the do. Public airwaves. For the record, you just lost it in your home. She never stole anything. It is 35 degrees Humidex, 6 o'clock. This older woman is walking towards my car, and I'm like, what's going on here? And she's like, Would, and I've got two kids in the car that I'm driving to the gym, my son and his friend. And she says, please, please give me a ride to the grocery store. And I'm like, hop in. Beside and, uh, your son's friend as well, who went and told his parents. absolutely wary about that, yeah. <laughs> this could have been Thelma or Louise, and they could have jacked me, taken my uh, Hyundai uh, Kona, and, and just ditched us. Or kept us as hostages. Yeah. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I'll give you something I think Doug Ford has that I don't know that his opponents have. I don't know that they don't but they haven't shown that they do on a regular basis, but he's got it. And I'll explain what it is and we'll hear exactly why on the front page of the Toronto star this morning. Let me remind you that uh, the person that's got a column on a one of the Toronto star this morning is Edward Keenan. And he comes in for Alex Pearson around nine o'clock this morning. Here's what I find interesting really quick about the stars um, uh, paper this morning. It's got 12 photos of people running for mayor. And not all 12 have have made themselves known as of yet, but it's got my attention. I find it interesting. There's some declared candidates already. Some of the non-declared candidates are quite interesting. Um, Because we had Mark Saunders, Anthony Fury, Josh Mallow all declare yesterday. Anna Bailao did it last Friday. I can't remember the day uh, Giorgio Mammolito did. I'm not dismissing it. I just don't remember the day. But yet to declare, their photos are here. Olivia Chow, Stephen Holliday, Brad Bradford, um, and Mitzi Hunter, who we're going to talk to at 745 this morning. And um, it'll have to be one of the first questions we ask. She's the uh, liberal education critic. She's a former education minister as well. And uh, one of the last remaining liberal MPPs standing from those Kathleen Wynne years. The liberals are looking for a leader uh, later on in the year. But it's interesting that their photos are there. Um, Is there a little bit of back and forth on some I'd say that that's true. Has anyone hurt themselves by not coming forward yet? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And there's several reasons why. Um, I'll get to later this half hour, and I'm sure we'll talk about it with uh, with Mitzi Hunter. But there's 12 faces. Chloe Brown uh, and Gil Penalosa are, are amongst those 12 as well. 
So I think that part is um, is interesting. Edward Keenan's column is on that front page, and he's in at 9 o'clock. Something Doug Ford was able to pull off yesterday. Um, look, you don't have to love Doug Ford. You can be upset about this, upset about that. Some people you get together on the street or in a backyard or at a kid's soccer practice, and someone's going to complain about Justin Trudeau, and someone's going to complain about Doug Ford. My job is to call out both of their stuff when something isn't going right. So you can think stuff like yesterday that I'm about to play is a total distraction. You don't have to love it. You can despise the Ontario PCs. But do you want to win the election? You want to be on the right side of this and make everything a crisis and act like the forest is burning down every single day? People don't have the bandwidth for that. They do, I think they proved that the last three years. They don't have the bandwidth for you to scare them, for you to yell at them, for you to scold them. They don't. So you better have an ability to connect and relate. I don't know that Marit Stiles can put together a minute 17 like this. Maybe she doesn't have to. I don't know that she can. I don't know that she can't. I just would recommend that she do it once in a while and connect and relate with people. Maybe that's easier to do when you're on top. But here's what I'd make the point. You couldn't have got audio like this from Kathleen Wynne in 2018. And you sure couldn't have got it from Del Duca or Horvath last time out. So when it comes to telling you what was going to happen on June 2nd, it's moments like this. It's the relatable guy. It's the guy that's going to buy a round. It's the guy that's going to make you laugh getting dressed for your rec hockey league or out for a, uh, you know out for dinner with another couple. He's got it. He has it. And you better find it if you want to get elected, okay? Because uh, elections are about results. They're not about the moral high ground. They're not about who's right. Here's Doug Ford yesterday at a news conference for something totally unrelated. Talking about the haircut he got in Florida. Let's have it. Every guy out there understands this. So you go into the barber, and I went down south for a few days, so I go into Walmart. I'm a cheap son of a gun, so I see the, you know, $15 haircut or whatever. I walk in there, and, you know, I said, I, I just want a trim, just a little, little trim. And every guy knows what number they are. Number one, the lower you get, the more they take off their hair. So I'm about a number four. It's just, you know, a little bit of a trim. So I sit down in the chair, this guy grabs my hair like this and starts shaking. I'm thinking, you know, the problem was, Colin, he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish. So all of a sudden he pulls out the shaver and zoom, right across the thing. He must have used not even a one, a zero. And I said, senor, like, look at, look what you did. One side's full, one side's not. So then I had to get the other side done and needless to say it cost me $26. I've never paid $26 for a haircut in my life and I had to give the guy a $10 haircut but anyway he went right down to the concrete as you can see there. It's, I'll tell you I've, I've, I've never experienced anything in my life. It's the shortest haircut I've ever had. Well as the kids would say the haircut slaps. Oh man All it's right, going to take till August to grow this thing back. I'm telling you you can not like it. You can say what about the policies? What about the green? I got you. I've got your back, but this is a good point to make about communication style and how to connect with people. Again, you don't have to love it. You can absolutely, you know, uh, shrivel up and get mad about this politician and that politician. Understand why voters relate to them. It's a human moment. We don't elect politicians on their policy choices. Maybe we'd have a better city, province, country, planet. Likeable personalities are going to get elected. And if you're yelling about something 365, 24-7, don't be surprised when people don't want to hear it. You have to be relatable, okay? 
I think he's pretty ruthless behind the scenes. I think he's pretty, he digs in. He digs in on stuff. But if you can't replicate that folksy vibe, election day is all about results. It's not about policy. It's great, too. I've never heard the uh, side of the head as uh, compared to the concrete. And yes, I did get a text message from a friend of mine saying, did Doug Ford go to that barber and ask for the Greg Brady? I don't think my haircut is that well-known south of the border. Um, I'm not sure I've ever got a haircut in Florida. I've gotten one in a few countries in Europe, and yes, that language barrier can be difficult when trying to explain it. You hold up one finger, number one, um, but when you hold up that sort of, just give me a little bit off the side, I do think there's an element of misunderstanding. I do think uh, that could potentially be the case. Um, it's one of those things. He's he's just got that relatable, self-deprecating side. I'm not falling for it. I know what the policies are, and you may also. But these are these are scenarios where you're going to you're going to get beat every time if you can't find a way to do it. Remember also some of the great successes, even in the states for president Ronald Reagan, people related to him, came from Bill Clinton, people related to him, Barack Obama, people related to him. You can't be a stuffed shirt. You can't be screaming the house is on fire all the time. You can't cry wolf 365 24 seven. It isn't going to work. It may play to your base. But you can't get elected on just a base. People that didn't vote for you before have to decide, I'm taking a chance. This is where I'm marking my X. This is just how it works. I'm not tell- I'm not making the rules. I'm telling you what they are. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. So many balls are in the air, politically speaking. We have a mayor election we just, we just didn't anticipate two months ago. So unique. We had three people on our radio station yesterday announced that they are running for mayor. June 26th is election day. Our next guest uh, is rumored to be in the mix. Well thought of, and those voices are increasing. Mitzi Hunter is the Liberal MPP for Scarborough Guildwood. It's always great to have you on Toronto today. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Greg. This is wonderful to be here. Um, You were at an event last night, and you told the crowd at that event you're preparing to run. So here's your opportunity. Are you running? (laughs) I, well, I'm still, I'm still preparing to run. You're going to hear from me on that very soon. And um, this is about our beloved city and making sure that, uh, that Toronto remains actually a world-class city on the upward trajectory. Um, and I'm doing what I need to do to, to prepare to run for mayor of Toronto. I would be, I said this at the time, even three weeks ago, I'd be shocked if you didn't run. Would it now be a shocking thing for you to pull back and not be on the ballot June 26th? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not really about shock at this point. <laughs> you guys know me very well. I'm one of the, you know, I've been elected for 10 years as the MPP for Scarborough Guildwood um, and always working on behalf of the people of my community. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of people encouraging me. I'm getting letters from my constituents. You know, I was actually, um, I met a TTC driver on Sunday on the Ellesmere bus that I took uh, to school every day to go to UTSB. <laughs> and when I told him I was preparing to run, the the man broke down and and he he cried. I, I it was so moving and uh, you know so so there's a lot of people that want our city to to be united. We uh, want our city to work and it needs to work for everyone. And so I, I take this very seriously and uh, and know that I need to move forward. Do you think you you know for sure by the end of the week? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is obviously um, a, a serious uh, race in terms of uh, the size and the scale. What I'm actually focused on right now is is building the team and putting the, the tools and the resources in place. And that's coming together really, really well. But, it's, you know, it's, it, there's a lot more that we have to do. And that's where the focus is at. Um, so that when I do uh, come out, I, I come out and I'm I'm you know, very laser focused on, you know, what we can do to improve lives in this city. And, um, and you know, I was with uh, some friends last night, actually, who are from the technology sector where I started my career, actually, uh, was in, uh, in business and um, in information and communications technology. So I'm very passionate about the sector and know its contribution, huge contribution to Ontario and, and Toronto's economy. And, uh, and we were talking about the city. We were talking about the livability in the city. Um, you know, can, you know, young people, and, and really at this point, it was even people in their 30s and 40s, uh, see themselves being able to live here, to rent a place of their own, um, you know, maybe, you know, buy a place, to raise a family and, and Toronto has mm. to continue to be that place, you know, where people can dream about growing up and, and, and seeing their, themselves having a life here. It's never been more frightening. It, it's never been more frightening. And again, I, I, I struggle. I don't know that we can create equal circumstances, but we have to create equal opportunity to do those things. And I've never seen a scenario where I always say this, Mitzi, it's one thing to say, well, it's great if you have means and you have parents that could lend you some money to buy that first home. My wife and I did that, bought a starter home. It's quite another thing to ask your parents to sell their house so you can buy your first house. Nobody ever wants to have that. And nobody wants to think I'd love to live in Toronto or even anywhere an hour from Toronto. And I can't afford it. We've never had a generation have to admit that. Absolutely. And uh, we got to turn that around. We got And I, I said to them, my message to them is that we got to work together to turn that around. Um, everyone has a part to play. I know that they're willing to do that. They're willing to roll up their sleeves and work real hard. Uh, but we got to have, you know, local government and all levels of government, in fact, that has their back. Mitzi Hunter is our guest, uh, of course, a liberal MPP. She's been elected three times in uh, in provincial circumstances. She's a former education minister as well. I will get to some budget issues. I promise I will because yeah. I know that's a big day tomorrow <laughs> for your party. Lay out for our listeners what you have to do. If you are to run, what are you not allowed to do then as an MPP? Do you have to step down? Do you just take a leave of absence? Can you come back or do you have to run in a by-election if you don't become Toronto mayor? What are those circumstances? Yeah, so to you know, to run, I'm all in. Uh, you know, I've been elected in Scarborough Guildwood now for ten years, uh, representing my constituency, knowing that I've you know been elected four straight times, including the last two tough elections for the Liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my community, voted me back in, and and so the rules uh, locally and at the municipal level are that you can't have an MP or an MPP run. Uh, so by the close of nomination day, which is uh, mid-May. Um, I would need to step down from that uh, that role as the MPP to to be uh, considered on that ballot for the mayor. Um, so that's a decision that I you know I was aware of uh, once I did my research on it. 
Um, but what's pulling me forward uh, into into this race uh, is the fact that I, I want to be in a situation where I can do more, do the most good for the most people. And uh, and I believe I bring that experience, um, whether it's, you know, um, working at the provincial level as a cabinet minister or even locally, Toronto community housing, goodwill, workforce development, you know, creating employment access. And of course, that's civic action which was all about how do we make the city and the region, in fact, because we all have to work together um, to make sure that this remains the economic engine for Ontario and for Canada. Let me say this, I and you can pile on if you like and, and back what I'm about to say. I think that's a silly, silly rule. I think it's a terrible yeah. idea. I've, I, I've been a political person my whole life. I've watched, I, we've had so many Brilliant politicians in the states take a run at becoming uh, president. And it'd be a shame if an Elizabeth Warren had to give up a Senate. She would never like that's a silly thing. Nate Erskine Smith, I think, is a brilliant guy. I think he'd make a great leader for your party. He doesn't have to quit Ottawa to try and become the leader of your own party. So I, I don't like this rule that like you must roll your eyes at it somewhat. It becomes a little bit uneven because, you know, those who hold council seats today, they can try all the time and they don't have to give up their seat. But, you know, that's okay. Um, You know, I know it's a decision that I have to make and uh, and, you know, I I have to make sure that I'm I'm very clear as I go forward and that what this means uh, for my my constituents right now and for the city as a whole. And of course, for me personally. When you started exploring this, last one on this, I promise. When you started exploring this, for now, um, uh, but the le- I've heard from so many people say she's going to win. I've had people that never get stuff wrong say she's going to be one of the top two candidates. You must be empowered, and maybe this has pushed you closer because obviously, Mitzi, if somebody says four weeks ago, nah, I don't, I don't see it. I, like people, you'd want people to be honest with you, and I think they're being honest, but they're telling you that this could happen, and that must be empowering you to get closer to doing it. Yeah, it, it is. It is encouraging, especially like I said, as a TTC driver, and what it means to people, and that it's moving them, and and that they're really feeling that this city uh, needs that change at this time, needs the representation um, coming from Scarborough. Of course, I understand the needs in our suburbs, but I also have worked in the core of our city, and uh, and understand that we have to all work together to unite Toronto so that Toronto continues to grow. Really, who wins in in ninety ninety five days I believe from now mm. is Toronto and its people and that's why I'm preparing to run for mayor of Toronto you're the former minister of education you're the current education critic what are you hoping to hear tomorrow I think there's a there's a, a lot of different ways this could go I know there's obviously some acrimony and there constant there sometimes is between teachers unions and and even you had tough negotiations with some of these unions some of these unions are bracing for the idea that they feel public education is going to get shortchanged that there could be job cuts what do you not want to hear tomorrow and who will you be fighting for tomorrow I'm going to be fighting for the students and for the education workers and our our excellent public education system needs an investment right now. Um, the risk that I see is that the government will roll back funding to pre-pandemic levels as if everything is okay. The kids are not okay. Mm-hmm. We see the reports coming out. There are mental health and addictions issues. There's learning gap issues. And what about, you know, those students that don't have the family resources to catch up? That's where we have a public education system. It needs investment. And I'm asking the Ford government to do something about that. 
Also on the issue of child care, um, we're just, you know, we've got this wonderful program that the federal government has sponsored. The province needs to also kick in its portion to make sure that we have an excellent child care system as well. So I'm on the side of our youngest learners and, uh, and our students here in this province. I got a minute here, but I hear from I, I'm sure you saw the report about violence in schools. School principals are saying it's it's difficult. They can't get help. What I hear from principals and vice principals all over the place is um, is teachers will come ask for suspensions. Principals and vice principals will take that to superintendents and and they just can't they can't get kids suspended. I know there's been issues before. I know there's problematic circumstances, but teachers and vice principals and principals feel kind of powerless right now. Do you hear some of those similar things and how do we fix it? Yeah, I do hear that. And our schools have to be safe for everybody. You know, people who leave to go out to work, as I know your listeners are doing right now, mm-hmm. they want to come home safe and whole the way they went in. So our schools have to be safe. And, uh, and that's, that's why I'm saying that, you know, the government needs to invest in our school system. There's $12.5 billion in excess funds over the next three years that the FAO has pointed out. And some of that needs to be put right into our schools. Um, you know, even school students with exceptionalities and special needs, uh, they need to have the EAs and, and, and those, um, those caring adults, social workers and others in our schools to support a, a healthy school environment for everyone. Mitzi Hunter, uh, Liberal MPP for Scarborough Guildwood. Love having you on the show. When you've got things to say, when you have, I don't know, a quote-unquote <laughs> announcement, you know, we know where you're coming and you know where to come to. Thanks very much for the time today. Thanks for having me.